0: Starting in verse 89: um, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. They continue this day according to thine ordinances, for all are thy servants. Unless thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in mine affliction. I will never forget thy precepts, but with them thou hast quickened me. I am thine, save me, for I have sought thy precepts. The wicked have waited for me to destroy me, but I will consider thy testimonies. I have seen an end of all perfection, but thy commandment is exceeding broad. And so we've already been on number one, and we've started number two, which is on page three. It's God's eternal faithfulness. Are the blanks? God's eternal uh, thank. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. God's eternal faithfulness. And uh, Psalm 119 verse 90, thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. And so we started this, uh, was it the week before last? Anyway, God has been good since the beginning to every living creature. And uh, we already looked at letter A. Satan has sought to distort that and uh, twist the truth of God's faithfulness from the beginning, calling his good to them evil. And the letter B is the truth is God has always been faithful to mankind and to individual men, always meeting us where we are, often despite how rebellious we are against him. And we looked at Romans 10:21. But to Israel, He saith all day long, I have stretched forth mine hand, my hands, into a disobedient and gainsaying people. And so, let us see. God has been faithful to His creation. All of creation has been cared for since the beginning, and all all His creation will continue until uh, until that is no longer His will. So. Uh, well, and, and the first point is, man frets about climate change and global catastrophes, but God's creation is far more, more resilient than that. It's so resilient, as a matter of fact, that it's. Uh, it, that's not to say that uh, that we shouldn't be good stewards. We should be good stewards of the earth. Um, however, God's earth is going to continue, uh, and I don't believe that uh, global warming or the ozone layer or anything else is so catastrophic that it could mean an end of everything. And I think that it has been hyperbole at the least. I also believe it's been a big money pit that, that Americans have, have paid many millions of dollars of tax dollars for things that, uh, if they exist, they're far more negligible than people than, than people like to admit. So man frets about climate change and global catastrophes, but God's creation is far more resilient than that. And so uh, we, we should be good stewards. We should, none of us just, you know, scoff at, oil spills, you know, kill, uh, you know, life uh, in the sea and things like that. But again, God's creation overall is, it's going to continue until it's no longer his will. And we're going to talk about that as well. So God has cared for every living creature before and after the fall. And Job 38, verse 39 through 41, it's here in your notes. Wilt This is God, when he's speaking to Job about, you know, Job, where were you when I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and it's, and that. Uh, all of God's creation brings glory to him and what God has done in his creation. And uh, and it really, you know, let me just read this. Uh, verse 39. Wilt thou hunt the prey for, uh, for the lion or fill the appetite of the young lions when they couch in their dens and abide in the covert to lie in wait? Will, uh, who provided for the raven his food? When his young ones cry unto God, they wander for lack of meat. And I believe that, that might be... Uh, I think it'd be easier for us to understand in the thought when they wander for lack of meat, they cry unto God. I think that's probably what it means. I'm, <laughs> I'm not an expert on language, but I think that's what it means, <laughs> that they cry unto God, and God is, God hears their cry, and he provides for every living creature. He's providing for mankind today, and, 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 and there's many things about this, and, and anyway, we're going to get to more about that as well, but all of, all of God's creation is in his care. Uh, and god allows mankind to make choices that impact other people and so we're seeing a lot of that all as affecting every man's will every man's every man's uh, welfare and so god allows mankind to make choices but god has constantly been providing for the people of planet earth from the beginning and and will continue to until the end and uh to man in particular Uh, this is letter d here in your notes to man in particular god has continually given us hope in him so we've talked about how god provides for the needs the physical needs of every creature on planet earth Uh, however the most important need that everybody has is their spiritual needs i mean god told adam and eve in the garden of eden on the day that that the day eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil ye shall surely die now just looking at this again last week or this last week that uh That uh, God told Adam that uh, that, the consequences of what what would happen—that he would have to till the ground in the sweat of his brow—and he says, "Until you die, for uh, for dust thou art." That's what he was, and he was no more than an animated creature with thought and will and the strength that God gave him. But he was not the living creature with a living soul like he was before. He was dirt. And, and that's not being funny. he was nothing more than the than the dirt of the ground that God scooped up with his own hands and formed him into the shape of a man and breathed life into him and he became what a living a living soul. He became a living soul. And so he continued animated and still was able to make choices and do things as a man after sin, But he was not the living soul he was before. Now every man since Adam has been born into the world, not alive, but dead. And so God enabled the human race to continue and to propagate. But mankind has ever since then needed a Savior that only God could provide. Now, thank God that you look through the Old Testament and men like David and Moses and Abraham, they had a relationship with God. And their future was guaranteed by their faith in God. But they were not made alive. Not in the body. Not in the flesh. That would not come until Jesus Christ came to planet earth and laid down His life and rose again. And the Bible says that the Spirit quickeneth man. And so we say all this just to say that man's greatest need, far and away beyond every other need, is his spiritual need. Now, even once we've been born again, still, our greatest need is our relationship with God and cultivating that relationship. Now, God has already said, his main priority in minding your life is our relationship with him. However, I think we can all agree that that is not the case for every born-again believer today, that his number one priority is his relationship with God. That is what it should be, because there's nothing more important than that. There's no point in, in, in your life, in anybody's life, in which something will surpass your spiritual relationship with God as far as priority. And so here's the thing, is that God is constantly meeting the need of mankind. And His spiritual need is always His greatest need. And so the, the, to man in particular, that's letter D, God has continually giving us hope in Him. All the way back to Adam. When, when, you know, even before the first sin, his his all of his hope was in God and Adam and Eve knew that Uh, and Satan came along and he told them a lie and they allowed Satan's lie to be the premise on which they would make the choice that led them to fall away from God. So man, letter I here underneath that is man was not cast into hell and eternal separation from God at the first disobedience. But God immediately spoke of the Savior that he knew he would send before the earth was. It was it is through him exclusively that God offers escape from the penalty of sin. And so mankind chose to listen to the serpent and um, and chose to. Again, she saw Eve saw the fruit that it was desired to make one wise. She ate, or she took of the tree. She gave to her husband, and he did eat. And so, at that time, God could have said, "I'm starting over." I mean, I, don't we do that when we are trying to do something and we make a mess of it? We just—it's it's easier to start over. Now, certainly for God. When we think about the penalty of sin and the fact that nobody in this room could pay for one of our sins. Not one. (laughs) It It takes the spotless blood of the Lamb of God to cleanse man from their sins. So wouldn't it have been easier for God, for Adam and Eve to disobey God and God just to say, I'm starting over. Because the cost was for Him to redeem mankind. The Bible says, and we're going to look more at this. I think I've got it in my notes here. <laughs> that Jesus was as a lamb slain before the foundations of the earth. Now, I can't tell you what that means. I know it seems to me to, to, to say that God knew what making mankind would mean before he made us. Now the thing is, is, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And God knew this from the beginning. I I cannot explain the omniscience of God. All I know is that he knows all things. He knows the future perfectly. He knows the past perfectly. He knows the now perfectly. We are very linear. We're completely linear. We can't comprehend how God can understand that. How God could hear every person on earth's thoughts right now. Does that blow your mind? Because it it it's far. I mean, I feel a circuit blowing. <laughs> just trying to comprehend God knowing every man's thought on planet Earth right now. So, so the point is, is that God could have just said, I'm starting over, and He could have started over with man. And yet, God that's very clearly, God is not interested in starting over. God and again, this is another aspect I can't explain. God loves we even though we are sinners. He, he loves us even though we are sinners. And there's there's I think that the the case could be made that God's love for us stems from his compassion. Not that before or after salvation we could become worthy of his love. It's based all on the state on the on the fact that God is love, like it says in 1 John. God is love. And so um, you see here in your notes, and let's let, turn back with me to Genesis chapter three, and we we started the last this last week. We're going to continue there. Genesis chapter three, <clears throat> and starting in verse. Well, let's let's go back to start verse. Uh, okay, verse six. Genesis chapter three, verse six. Genesis 3, verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant uh, to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden, and the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Now we just talked about the omniscience of God, how He knows all things, all everywhere. He can't not know. It's 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 part of His understanding of the entire universe. And yet He appears here. He's walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and He asks a question. He says, Adam, or He says to Adam, Where art thou? Now clearly God knows where Adam is. <laughs> He knows why Adam is hiding. He knows the entire scenario. And yet, God, and folks, this is a wonderful truth that God is constantly meeting us where we are. <laughs> now, I won't ask you for a show of your hands, but I have had God meet me when I was in a place doing something I shouldn't be doing. And God, in His mercy, I didn't hear an audible voice say, Brett. Where are you? <laughs> but in effect, God appeared, you know, spoke to me in a very similar way. What are you doing here? Why are you doing this? Listen, folks, He meets us where we are because His desire is, first of all, to save us, to rescue us, deliver us, and that we turn away from sin and that we follow Him in righteousness and bring glory to Him. Listen, God is not interested in robots. God could easily make for himself an Adam and an Eve that would never sin. He could have the trees surrounded by or have have the Garden of Eden just filled with trees that they weren't supposed to eat from. And he could just say, Adam and Eve, you will never do this thing. And he'll take away their free will, and they would always do exactly what he said. Obviously, that's not what God wanted. And that's part of the bottom line is that God so loved us that he was willing to create us even though we would go away from him. And folks, there's aspects about this again further that I still can't comprehend. I mean, the world is filled with people who are not getting saved. Uh, Is part of that discussion the fact that he loves us in this room enough? You see, folks, the thing is, is the Bible's very clear. God loves the entire world. And the Bible says he's not willing that any should perish. God is not willing that people go to hell. He's not willing for that to happen. And yet he did not choose for mankind on his behalf. God allowed us to choose all the way back in the garden, all the way to us here today, all the way to the last man. Brother Alby. Right fellowship together. Right. They, it says in the Bible that he created them in his own in their own image. Mm-hmm. So he must have had fellowship with them for some odd time. Right. And fell in love with them And they had that kind of rapport with each other that he missed that. He knew he would miss that if they chose to sin. So that was all set aside in advance in case they did sin. Which he you knew they have opportunity to sin, mm-hmm. just like we do. So, well, you know clearly God uh, is not a creator and God an authority that's high above the earth, and He is in that position of ultimate authority, and we are here down on earth like little ants. You know very clearly God does care deeply about, and matter of fact, He can't turn that off. You now you read, and, and you know the Bible is an incredible story and the interaction with mankind uh, brother Justin was reading about uh, reading to us about Ahab and it still stuns me thinking about the fact that ahab one of the most wicked kings in Israel's history and yet when God told him you <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase <laughs> he, he told him you've, you've you've blown it so bad that I'm bringing a judgment on you and it was a very extreme judgment and it shook ahab up and he put the what, musicians away. He took all, put all the you know, fun stuff away. He dressed himself in sackcloth and put ashes on his head and walked softly through his house. And do you know what God said? God said to the prophet, do you see how he's humbled himself? God took notice of a very evil man and his fearing God. Listen, folks, God's compassion is not something he turns on and off. God has compassion for his creation, for all of humanity and all of all of creation. Very clearly, the Bible says that a a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without your father, which is in heaven. And yet we the Bible says we are of more value than many sparrows. Listen, folks, we need to understand that God's interest in the human race is not only in saving us, but like Albie was alluding to and having a relationship with us. Not even just someday in heaven, right now, as we walk this earth, God is interested in us cultivating our relationship with Him. The Bible says, draw nigh unto God, and He will draw nigh unto you. God is interested in that dynamic. He's interested in people denying themselves, denying the world as it presses in, and denying the the flesh as it is is tempted by the things put in front of it by the world and Satan. He's interested in us saying, I want to follow God. And the thing is, is don't you wish you could make that decision once (laughs) and never have to fight this stuff off every day? And yet it's part of this world. Listen, folks, it won't always be like this. When we go to the next life, we won't have a sin nature. Folks, that's part of heaven, if you ask me. No sin nature. And I thank God how the Bible, Lord Jesus said, and I mentioned this last week, I think it is, how the, the devil came to Jesus and found nothing in him. There was nothing that he could cast a hook on. Jesus could feel temptation. He, he he faced everything that we could face and many so many things that we cannot. He was tempted 40 days in the wilderness. He hungered. He was weary. And he was tempted with things that I can't be tempted with. The Lord uh, or Satan said, you know, if you be the son of God, uh, turn this stone into bread. I can't be tempted with turning stone into bread. Jesus faced everything that I can face and he knows how it feels to be tempted. Yet he never sinned. And someday I am also going to be free of the flesh and the sinful nature that wants to sin. We have that in every one of us. The desire to sin. The desire to and, you know, Satan knows how to to stack the deck against us to make it look like it's it's pointless to fight. And yet God is very clearly wanting and desiring for us to live in a relationship with him and put aside the old man. The Bible says we should crucify the old man daily. The Lord Jesus said in Luke to take up your cross daily and follow Him. And folks, these are the choices that every one of us have set before us every day. And so our place is to make God and our relationship with Him first priority. Not even not even just at the top, but there's nothing that comes close. There's nothing that can compete with our relationship with God. And listen, folks, when God was willing to pay what he paid to make it possible to have a relationship with Brett and with every person here by name. You know, it wasn't just Jesus dying for people's sins. It was for Brett's sins. And Jesus's victory at, at the resurrection became my victory. It's all personal. And for God to, to be willing to do that, to save you and I, listen, folks. It's wrong for it to be anything but us loving him and putting everything in our relationship with him and being unwilling to to trade anything for that. And so um, let me just uh, finish reading this. So uh, verse 8, and they heard, uh, no, that's verse 11. Uh, He said, who told told thee that thou wast naked? No, verse 10. (laughs) So he said, where art thou? Verse 10, he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Again, these are questions that God already knows the answer to. And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. I I think it's interesting that nobody here is talking about how God has kept something from them, and now they have it, and now they're as gods, knowing good and evil. They're not making that case. She says, The serpent beguiled me. He tricked me. They know that what, what they got out of this deal was not good. They know it has already cost them beyond their capacity to understand. The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, uh, I'm sorry, verse uh, 14. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle. And it's just interesting that God didn't ask the serpent, Why did you do this? And, uh, and, and the Lord God said unto the servant, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, dust shalt thou, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow shalt thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat, eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return into the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And uh, I just I I was just reading this last night and it just stood out to me that there it is right there. He was dust at that point in time. He was alive, but he was dust. He they have already reaped uh, uh, consequences from their choice. And so uh, we see this immediate fallout from sin and. And. and yet, even at this point, even though they have made this choice, man had hope because God was able to meet the need and overcome our foe. And I, folks, that is the, the true shining star of this passage, that mankind has fallen into this dreadful place of being a lost creature. And folks, listen, it is not possible to know the capacity or the magnitude of of what has happened to Adam and Eve. Like Alby said. <laughs> what life was like before this moment. And how long. How long had they walked with God in the cool of the day. Every day. How long had they had this. And, and, and there's just so many things that changed after this moment. And it, it was more than night and day. And you, and you saw Adam and, and before uh, at the creation. God brought every creature to Adam. And he named every one of them. And very clearly, he didn't just know their names. Adam was there. And he had a relationship with the animals. And I think all the entire planet Earth was dramatically different. And the Garden of Eden was the most... (laughs) Folks, there's no words. It was beyond paradise. And they had this relationship with God every day. They were not just... Able to have communion with God, they were able to be part of His life, and they were part of His life. Mm-hmm. And folks, thanks to Jesus, we are able to return to that and have a relationship with God. But listen, it hasn't been like the Garden of Eden since then. Walking with God, the cool of the day. You know, and folks, we have much of of. What was missing after the fall? We we have a relationship with God. I'm able to talk to Him. But it's not like Adam had. Able to walk with God. <laughs> able to ask Him, talk to things. And then again, we can talk to God. But we're not getting all the answers right now. <laughs> and anyway, uh, they made this choice. And this immediate fallout from sin was immediately apparent. But man had hope because God... Was able to meet the meet the need and overcome the foe. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter two. Hebrews chapter two verse fourteen. This is an amazing passage. Hebrews chapter two, verse fourteen. I'll give you guys a second. Hebrews chapter two, verse fourteen. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood. He also himself likewise took part of the same. This is obviously talking about the Lord Jesus. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that, excuse me, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to secure them that are tempted. And I, I just, I, I, folks, I glory in what the Bible tells us here. And the fact that it says there in verse 14, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death, He might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Now, listen, the fact that mankind had a savior, God, again, from the beginning, he spoke of the seed of the woman would conquer the serpent, would bruise his head and it would bruise his heel. But that bruising of his heel, he had to become a man to be able to suffer this, this, uh, this humanity and this death. He to destroy Satan's work and his power of death, he had to himself become man, and he had to face the death that uh, that 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 mankind faces. But he faced so much more, and he says it says that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. You see, all of humanity up until this point and to the very end, if every one of us did what Jesus did and died for sin it still could not deliver anyone if the entire human race died because of sin for sin it wouldn't save one soul just thinking about the population of planet earth today if every one of us died it would not save one soul yet the lord jesus again you know god could have looked knowing what it would cost him he could have said i'll start over but he was unwilling to do that. And so man has, has hope because God was able to meet the need and overcome this foe for us. And so number one there underneath that is, well, we looked at that already. Number two is Revelation. This is it's a passage in, in Revelation. It says the Lamb of God, the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And so God's provision for salvation goes all the way back to the first man continuing to the last man. Now every member of the human race all the way back to Adam, all the way into the future for the last man that'll be born on planet earth. Every person can be saved. Mm -hmm. All, all of of the human race can be saved. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I I find, I find it offensive. (laughs) These uh, doctrines that men believe about how only certain men can be saved. And folks, it's, you know, I realize that we have brothers and sisters who believe that. I believe they're saved. I know they're saved. <laughs> but folks, it's a, it's, it's a, there's an offense there that God was only willing to save some. Folks, that's not what the Scripture Yeah, you, know, you can find some Scriptures that you take it a certain way, and you can make them sound like, like that's what they're saying. But you can't take them. You have to take them by themselves. Listen, if you leave the Scripture in the Scriptures... You take the whole Scripture together. There is verse after verse after verse after verse after verse after verse after verse 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 guaranteeing that every man can be saved. Mm -hmm. And and the book of Revelation ends with, let, uh, let me just turn to it, Revelation 22. Revelation 22, verse 17. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Who is limited here? Who is being held at, held saying, well, I'm sorry, you can't come. That wasn't meant for you. Now, there's, there's plenty of people looking at this this doctrine and believing, well, it means that God knew who was going to get saved and that he died only for them. And folks, now this 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 doctrine is ignoring so much of the Bible that it's I, I, we didn't need to go here. I don't know why. <laughs> Other than it's been on my mind from time to time. But the point is, is that every man on planet Earth can be saved. The blood that Jesus Christ provided his own precious blood. He provided for all men to be saved and all men can be saved and we can glory in that. And we can go to every man. You any person you meet on the street or a loved one, you know, you don't have to wonder if they're the elect or not. The Bible like it says here, here's the here's the uh, the qualifying if you want to say that. It says in verse seventeen, And spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say come, and let him that is athirst. People that don't need a savior or don't feel like they need a savior, they don't come seeking a savior. But let, let me tell you, when you start getting the conviction of the Holy Spirit on your life, <laughs> and you start knowing your guilt before God, people come to God thirsty. And he's saying, Lord, I need you to forgive me. I, I thank God for the picture of the, of the two thieves. And the Bible says when Jesus was first put up there between the two malefactors, the Bible says in one of the Gospels that people around him were casting mocking him and and the bible says that they also cast the same in his teeth they also mocked him but there was a change in one of them and he looked on the other and he said don't you fear god the bible says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of god that's the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom he said don't you fear god seeing that we're in the same position and he said we indeed justly That place where you come to and you understand, I need God to forgive me because I have sinned. That's the Holy Spirit (laughs) that illuminates the heart and reveals to us we are not okay. We are in desperate need. God made it possible that all mankind could be saved, but mankind has to be drawn. Mankind has to have it revealed to him. The Holy Spirit does that work. And we also, as we share our testimony, listen, I I was a seven-year-old boy, and I was told about heaven and hell. And I was told Jesus is the way out. Mm -hmm. And I, as a little boy, was afraid, and I didn't want to go to hell. You know, that's a pretty good motive for getting saved, not wanting to go to hell. And listen, the Lord Jesus said, all that come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. A promise from God. All that come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. And so it's our place to spread the good news. <laughs> God is accepting sinners. God is accepting. And, and you know, the, the the Pharisees at one time, you know, they they they, they were at one of Jesus's uh, eating with uh, sinners And uh, they met with his disciples and says, Why do your master eat and drink with sinners? And Jesus answered them. (laughs) He says, They that that are whole don't need a physician. (laughs) They that are sick need a physician. And God is in the business of showing us we have a need, a desperate need. And Jesus is the one who can meet that need. And God has been showing mankind of his need for a Savior ever since Adam and Eve. And so... um, I didn't have my alarm go off. Why did my alarm go off? <laughs> so, anyway, uh, God has been faithful, uh, or God's provision for salvation goes all the way to the, to the last man. And, uh, okay, I guess we're going to stop right there. To, to your point? Yeah. I don't think there's any verses in the KJV anyway that say that you're added to the book of life. Mm mm only removed only removed so that shows you Blotted that everybody out. was in the book of life yeah that's what i think it means too right. that 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 okay. you know and and that was one of the promises to one of the seven churches uh every ch- every church had promises made to them that very clearly to him that overcometh. oh there's my alarm <laughs> uh, that uh, that apply to the saved and to him that overcometh i will and those promises relate to christians they relate to to people who have believed and accepted christ and so one of those is, I will not blot out thy name out of the book of life. That guarantee, you will be saved. You'll, you'll make it to the end. And uh, matter of fact, when the books are opened uh, and, and the dead are, are brought up out of hell, out of, out of uh, the sea, and out of uh, everywhere, and they're, the, the Bible says they're judged according to their works, and the books are opened. And one of those books, and the most important one, I guess, is the book of life. And if they and, and listen folks, people will may think that they'll make a case. And I don't know, maybe they will, but there there will be no case that you can make for God if your name isn't in the book of life. Matthew 7:23ish, Lord, Lord. Yeah. Right, basically yeah. prophesied your name. Right. Et, cetera, et cetera. presenting their so works. a Based based on their works. Right. right. Yep. And that wasn't accepted for Cain and it won't be accepted for anybody else. Okay? So, any other thoughts or questions? right dear lord thank you for this time we've had together please uh help us lord to share and and give freely the good news that people could uh, hear your invitation to come and and those who are thirst let them come and freely accept of of the water of life we thank you lord for for that gift of uh, forgiveness of of salvation of, of goodness and mercy and and it's just the beginning we pray that you help us lord to to live with you as as the, uh, the center point of our life, and uh, let everything revolve around loving and serving you. We pray for every family here according to the need and that you bless each one. Thank you for being our God. Please also bless those who could not come tonight for whatever reason, and bless every family, and, and we thank you for your goodness. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.